Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am joined by Beth Crane, the co-creator and writer of We Fix Space Junk. Now if you've been following the show for a while, you know that I've been speaking about releasing this podcast for quite a while now, and I've had it recorded since I think it was uh, sort of January, February time, um, which is probably the the latest, the biggest gap that I've ever given before releasing a podcast, um, but I just had loads of other things to release, and Beth and Headley weren't like in any big rush to have this released, so I just thought I'd hold on to it for now, so here it is, finally. Now, once again, if you're a long-time listener, you'll know that I spoke with Headley uh, last year, I think it was late last year, um, about We Fix Space Junk, which is the audio drama that they both make together. Um, So the one with Headley, I think it was around episode 40. I'll include uh, details in the description. Um, So I think it was episode 40-ish where I spoke to Headley, spoke about the sound engineering side and sort of what he does with We Fix Space Junk. And now I've got the other side of the coin. I've got Beth, who has a degree in script writing and is the, the writer of the show. Now, as well as talking about We Fix Space Junk, um, we talk about lots of other things like why Beth decided to pursue a career in script writing, um, sort of joke censorship and reading a room in a sense, um, why one should always be key to learn, different interpretations of art, as well as speaking about Beth and Headley's favourite characters from We Fix Space Junk. And also we speak a little bit about Beth's uh, involvement in the Harry Potter films, which is just a little sprinkling tease, so you have to listen to the whole uh, of part one to find out what that was all about. Now, Headley is actually present in this interview. You'll hear him. I say interview. I prefer it to be a conversation, but I've said it now. Um, I was talking to Beth, and Headley was also there. You'll hear that primarily Beth is the one speaking, but Headley does chime in every now and then. And also, my girlfriend Megan uh, is there as well, so you'll hear her occasionally in the background too. So, four people, mainly two though, just me and Beth. Now, We Fix Space Junk does have, they recently released a novella, you know, short novel. Um, it's called Atomnicon, The Intern. So if you're a fan of the series, you know, be sure, well, the audio drama series, be sure to, you know, check that out. I've included a link to that in the description too. Now, just before the show gets started, there's a quick promo by the Ready to Be Petty podcast. Um, so if the promo sounds interesting to you, I've included a link in the description. So be sure to go check that out. And um, that's about it for me, guys, for now. So as I always say, you know, like, subscribe, rate, all that sort of general tomfoolery. And um, at the end of the chat, I'll be back to talk about part two and what you can expect in that, as well as a few other bits and pieces, because I don't want to make the intro too long. So thanks as always for listening, guys. And I'll talk to all of you at the end. Hey. Are you ready to be petty? I'm Tori, the host of the new podcast, Ready to be Petty. This podcast discusses, well, all things petty. Each week I dive into celeb gossip, the ins and outs of pop culture stories, and funny things that are going on in my life. I also bring in guests for some witty repartee. If you are into celebrity conspiracy theories, having opinions about the stars of reality TV, trash talking hashtag Bachelor Nation, and sending out weekly cries for help from the Fab Five of Queer Eye, this podcast is for you. You can listen each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and basically every other podcast platform. You can follow along on social media via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RTBP Podcast. I hope you like it because I've done literally hours of tech stuff and I have honestly earned a computer science degree which I know sounds ungrateful and petty, but that's showbiz, baby. And if you don't like it, I will discuss your gracious feedback in my next content strategy meeting, which is just me and my boyfriend sitting in our living room. Anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing what makes you petty.
Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Uh, today I'm joined by Beth from We Fix Space Junk and also joining us is Headley once again and also Megan is in the background over there looking at me disparagingly as well so <laughs> we're all here we're all here to chat about well We Fix Space Junk and a menagerie of other things so how are you doing today Beth? Yeah I'm good yeah. Um, got my coffee got my sofa <laughs> where's your sofa it's not mine yeah this I'm is sitting on a sofa and that's pretty good yeah <laughs> it's nicer than a chair I'm tired <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm tired too this is gonna to be quite an interesting podcast yeah. been quite busy i was gonna say what well, um why not talk about that now what have you guys been up to the last uh week or two since like uh new year's Ooh. uh most i've been writing our show for pod uk mm. which i'm very excited about on the 2nd of february um we're doing a live show at pod uk at millennium point nice. in birmingham which is really cool at um yeah it's the first UK podcasting fan convention. Nice, nice. Which is really nice. Yeah, are you um, with the live show, is that going to be recorded and you're going to release it on the main uh, channel or main channels? Maybe or... a Patreon perk. I, I'm not sure. We're, we're going to see how it goes. Mm. Um, so if it's, if it's rubbish, Patreon only. But if it's really good, <laughs> just like you guys Or if it's really good, Patreon. Oh, yeah. It depends how you, <laughs> which kind of game you want to play. Uh, but yeah, no, it should be really good. We've got kind of lots of... We've got a guest star uh, from Victoriosity. We've got... Um, couple of cameo voices um and a robot scorpion you got a robot scorpion as well yes that sounds pretty awesome i saw that on the, um in the patreon sort of battlebird patreon thing i saw that headley was playing around with a new uh was it like a looper like a voice looper yes. sort of thing yeah yeah we've got a really fun uh little device that's going to be um it's like a voice modulator okay voice looper voice effects pedal basically yeah um, and it's just really cool uh i play we had to play around with it in the shop when we were looking at it because we bought it with Patreon money. Yeah. Oh, well, nice. Um, but yeah, we. But we wouldn't have been able to buy it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh, quite I see. expensive. <laughs> yeah. But it does the automaton voice just really nicely and mm. does a lot of like the AI voices and stuff. So it means that we potentially could be looking at a lot more live shows soon. Oh, that sounds exciting. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely have to come down to one of those. That'd be awesome. And um, it's funny as well, because when I was talking to Headley last time, um, he said that the Intomna voice is you. Yes. Which I, I had no idea, because obviously the, the modulation on it is so it's done so well. Because yeah. obviously Headley is just like, because I said to him, I was like, oh, who does that? He was like, it's Beth. I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. no idea. That's crazy. Um, so with um, in the vein of We Fix Space Junk then, um, when I ask how... When? How long ago did it start? Because I know episodes have been around for just over a year, isn't it? But like uh, nearly a year. Oh, nearly a year. I think we released in March. Yeah, early March. I see. Um, last year, but no, we've um. So, the script of this of series one kind of started in June last mm. year, or oh, two thousand sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, last year was 18, yeah, there we go. and we're in 19 now, which is still very... <laughs> I still can't get my head around that, but yeah, yeah, 2017. Yeah, so I started doing sort of the proper writing process, but I kind of started writing bits of We Fix Space Junk when I was at university. Yeah, yeah. And um, what was that? Did you write that just as sort of a... Was that going to be a project for something else, or was it just kind of fun? Or? I think it was a thing that I was kind of just thinking about on the side. I, I did a master's in script writing and a BA as well. Um, and basically, while I was there, I had a sort of a lack of self-confidence in my own ideas. So I was like, okay, so I've got to write something meaningful and serious, and it's got to be X, Y, and Z and do social issues. And then I was like, 
Oh, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> it's just it's not a thing that I like writing. Uh, I like it when it's done well, but I often don't like watching it. Mm. It's just kind of I like to approach issues like that from the other angle and kind of within comedy and stuff like that. So I wrote a lot of very worthy, not very good scripts during that. And then in my downtime, I was writing stuff like We Fix Space Junk, um, just comedy scripts. Mm. Why, why did you go into uh, script writing? I'm interested. Have you been into that sort of thing from a young age? Or it... Oh, God. <laughs> Destroying the studio. What was that? Was coffee. What's that oh, me? No. That might have been me. Whoa. Uh, Destruction on set. Yep, that was. Was that behind me? Yeah, I think it was. That's my fault. I'm going to pause. Take two without me knocking over that, which I'm going to move to there. Yeah. <laughs> Put that over there. Danger zone. And then I will hold this in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> right. And nothing else. If there's like a sudden earthquake and all those things fall, then it's clear this podcast is never meant to happen. But, um, It'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll, we'll get through it. I mean, you, well, how could you pass up? How many podcasters have podcasted through an earthquake? That's a good point. Yeah, that'd be an earthquake yeah. podcast special, especially in like London, like as like actual earthquakes you can feel. I don't think there's been any earthquakes in England. Uh, there was the Buntsfield explosion, which yeah, caused. I was next to it. Really? Uh, not next to the actual Buntsfield. Mm. I, I was like, I got woken up on our house shook and stuff. Oh wow! And then I went back to sleep because I was sleeping in my friend's yeah. uh, cabin at the bottom of his garden. We were there jamming till late at night and I went to sleep and then yeah I thought it was someone outside banging on the side of the shed oh wow like, but, yeah it was an explosion 10 miles away <laughs> how, and how long ago was that I vaguely remember being on the news I think how was it more than 10 years because I was at school I was like 14, 15 mm. uh, yeah. well, that's crazy the last, the last large earthquake to affect London occurred on the 6th of April 1580 <laughs> <laughs> 1580 yeah. so we're probably okay <laughs> yeah we'll probably it's very unlikely but it's yeah. estimated to have been a relatively large magnitude of 5.5. 5.5, that's fair. I know the magnitude of earthquakes is kind of like, it doesn't go up like 6 and 5. The difference between that isn't the same as between 4 and 5. It's like, yeah, a, it's it, it increases, it's like the decibels, isn't it, I think? they Yeah, logarithmic. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a doubling of power. Yeah, exactly. This could all be interesting conversations. This is great, yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. I'll, maybe I'll keep it in and maybe I'll cut it, we'll see. Oh, wait, are still recording? Oh, I've started recording, yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> there okay. we go, yeah. You don't say anything deflammatory or offensive, so no worry. <laughs> you won't hear me anyway because I'm not on my... Ah. Just about. The back in the ba- background, maybe I'll try and boost it a little bit, but... What's well... that, Headley? There's children stuck down a well? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what I was going to ask is essentially, obviously you said that... Um, Obviously, you got a degree in uh, script writing. What kind of what got you into that? Was it from a young age? You always knew you kind of want to write scripts and things, or was it quite so, a niche thing to get? Well, to, in my mind, it was a niche thing. I haven't heard of someone getting into that before specifically. I kind of got into it by accident. Yeah. In that, well, I've done drama for my whole life. Yeah. Just like that was kind of the main thing that I did, apart from read books and read books. <laughs> um, and basically, I applied to do creative writing at the University of East Anglia. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the grades for it. Mm-hmm. Turns out I did get them later, but I didn't have the predicted grades. And they were like, but you could do script writing. Script writing would probably suit you because you've done loads of drama and stuff. Like they actually, they wanted me to, they wanted me as a student, which mm. was really nice. But they were just like, why not do script writing instead? And I wound up in the faculty of drama, which was really nice as well. Um, I think it, it suited me more than the creative writing one did because they were quite, it was a bit more nurturing than mm. creative writing, which I think is quite competitive. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how I wound up doing script writing. And then uh, basically as the years went on, 
Uh, I decided I wanted to do the Masters as well. Mm. Um, my main tutor, Val Taylor, was uh, always fantastic. Uh, and I just wanted to study more under her. Mm. And we got on very well together. We had we had one-hour dissertation meetings that went on for four or five hours. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And did So when you were doing that in uni and stuff, did you then... Did you want to then obviously you wanted to do script writing did you plan to do some sort of audio drama or is it like where's it how did it, the birthing of we fix space junk sort of kind of happen mixed with what your standard career is now obviously yeah. how did you well we fix space junk is it's complicated because i've always loved audio drama and always loved like audio comedy as well but didn't really realize that there were podcasts for mm. a long time um and obviously i didn't have any of the training to mm. do any recording at all uh i think i had i had a tape machine that recorded my voice mm. that i very occasionally used and then got self-conscious about because it wasn't very good <laughs> um and also it's very hard to just record stuff live into a tape yeah it's just sort of committed there and stuff but um yeah so i didn't have any any method of recording or anything like that i put on lots of like little short plays and stuff mm. but then uh i got together with headley uh, yeah. <laughs> Fist bump in the air. <laughs> we went on some dates, became a couple, and then you used him for his talent. Then. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it you took know. two years for us to actually twig that we should do that. Yeah, because we like we had the studio here, and then we were like, we should we should do a show. Mm. Let's do a show. Um, and then yeah, I kind of redeveloped the scripts. So we fixed space junk. They were very sparse when I first wrote them. Mm. They were um, series one started out without. They had Automnicon in as a bad guy, mm -hmm. obviously, but they didn't have the Automnicon music at the end or anything like that. There was, there was no Automnicon voice. Yeah, there was no Automnicon voice. Oh, okay. Um, it was and, just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, it was just mentioned. And then um, we did sort of a round of recording of that. And then in January, we listened to it and we're like, this isn't quite there, is it? Um, and then wound up adding in Automnicon. Sort of Headley started making the fantastic music that obviously we're quite well known for now. Mm. Um, and yeah, that, that really added so much into the story and I think made it popular and made it what it is. If it mm. was just kind of the story on its own, it wouldn't be that popular. If it was the music on its own, I guess it probably wouldn't have that much of an audience reach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of, that's how it developed. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know that, um, one of the main things that I imagine you get from feedback from it, cause what I got, especially when I first listened was how professional it sounds and how. Mm. It sounds like, because I know uh, Gimlet Media is one of the big sort of podcast audio drama producers, and I've listened to one or two of their shows, um, and you can hear that it's, it's good quality, you've got a lot of people behind it, there's the the Wolverine, uh, the Long Night audio drama, which that's obviously made by Marvel, so yeah. that's really good quality as well, and then you listen to yours, and it sounds like it's in the same sort of uh, area, of, yeah. and obviously because Headley is a freelance sound engineer, he... <laughs> he um, He's got that know-how and he's got all that yeah. sort of thing. So it, it gives and he's you got like an a boost. obsessive attention to detail as well. Mm. Um, we've had quite a few very, very late nights. Mm. Uh, I think we may have done at least one all-nighter mm. uh, getting everything ready. We're both kind of... I'm obsessed with getting the writing right and the voice acting right. And then obviously Headley's obsessed with getting the sound right. Mm. And to the point that occasionally one or both of us has to step back and say, okay, this is too much now. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite yeah. a common thing with musicians, yeah. especially. Yeah. 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 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it. 
Mm. I've got a few uh, musician friends and they say one of the hardest things is you know, there's the odd ones that they make demos and then when they go to the studio, you, you're in a time, it costs you money. So you generally kind of, okay, we're done with this, it's fine now. Mm. But there's other ones where they do a lot of their music, uh, more the electronic bands, and then you know you edit it and create it on your home computer and then mm. you release it and they go, you never know what the cutoff point is because mm. you listen to it a hundred times and every time you listen to it, you go, oh, I could tweak that. And then eventually you just keep doing it and at one point you've got to kind of put your hands up and go, right, I'm just stopping this now. This yeah. is fine. Any further tweaks I do that will take six hours, no one's going to notice. That was the, the good and bad thing about setting us, uh, setting ourselves release dates mm-hmm. um, is that we forced ourselves to draw a line mm. under episodes. So, for example, there are things in the first couple of episodes of season one that we're thinking of maybe doing a remastered version at some later point. Mm. And um, obviously there are little things we'd like to change, but it means it was out there. Mm. And it's like, again, you, you can't win a race you're not running in. No one's yeah. going to listen to your podcast if you don't put it out there. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of going, okay, well, this needs to be released by 7am on Monday the 3rd. Mm. You've got until 7am on Monday the 3rd <laughs> yeah. and then it's got to be out there. Yeah. And obviously during the end of season two, we had some delays and stuff, but that was that was just because we had a load of extra work coming, which was a really nice thing. And everyone was really great about it. Yeah. Like all of our patrons were just like, that's okay. Look after yourselves. We love you. Have a bath and drink a beer. <laughs> like have a sleep. <laughs> Do you know that if um, much of your audience, um, if they are... Because obviously people don't know by, either by accent or by know from us, we're in England. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, do they know, do you know what sort of demographic, like people from where listen to your show? Uh, I think almost exactly one third of our lessons have come from America. Okay. Because um, I think when we hit, because we hit 100,000. Yeah, I saw year, that. That was amazing. amazing. Like, frankly, quite mind blowing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think it was something like 33,000 of them exactly were in america oh wow which is quite fun yeah um so that was kind of a, a nice thing i know the numbers oh at least slightly encroaching Headley sort of slipped up onder the couch and slightly sly sly <laughs> way to be like what are you doing then Sliding yeah. On in. yeah um oh, i don't know the numbers of such uh, but i know the um <laughs> oh, so it's, it's uh america england australia canada holland Oh, okay, nice. I, I got an email uh, from Chartable, um, which I don't really use that much, but they said that I was 93rd in Uruguay for yeah, in some random some... thing. I was just like, yeah. in, it was in Uruguay and it wasn't a subject that I was specifically in. It wasn't like people and blogs or anything like that. It was something, it wasn't sport, but it was something like that. And mm. I was just like, because one episode of every one guest has got one tag of, yeah. like, anyway, I just got an email about it. Like, Congratulations. Like, he, thank you. <laughs> Thanks to people at Uruguay. I'm happy about that. Yeah. I think half of my, half my total audience is America and then about a third is England and the rest is just scattered. Like there's like yeah. one person in, I think it's the Philippines. There's one person in essence, and yeah. then there's a few people in like yeah, we've Australia. Got a cu- we've got a couple of big fans in Austria. Mm. Uh, so Shout those guys are lovely. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> um, Wales and Scotland. Yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to meeting everyone who's coming to Pod UK. That's going to be very exciting. Yeah. Well, um, obviously with Pod UK, you said you're going to do um, like a live show there. Um, have you guys been to any other pod conventions either? Uh, as fans or as uh, we think Space Junk before? Uh, we went to King's Place this year, the uh, King's Place uh, London Podcast Festival, mm-hmm. uh, which was really nice because um, we went kind of knowing a lot of the groups there because obviously we know Unseen Hour, we know Wooden Overcoats, we know Victoriosity. Mm. 
uh, we're quite good friends with all of them. Yeah. Uh, so we went to see their shows, which was really nice. Mm. Um, hoping to maybe get them on that next year, but we'll see. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Well, did you... Um... So the way you got you know these people was that due to um getting into podcasting or was it due to sort of the other facets that you guys uh, explore in your freelancing and things oh it's definitely it was getting into podcasting um it was quite interesting because we basically made the series got the first couple of episode re- episodes ready to release and then i went to a podcasters event mm. that i was actually dreading going to because i can get quite socially anxious and i was like i don't know don't know if i'll know anyone obviously i didn't know anyone because mm. yeah uh, but i i won't know anyone and i'm kind of got to talk to a load of people and be confident and my podcast is releasing next week but i don't want to be like too pushy about it and stuff um and then i met loads of incredibly lovely people i met liz campbell mm. uh campbell is it campbell it's Campbell and it's Campbell Uh, yeah I met Liz Campbell and she's just like the loveliest person she introduced me to a lot of people in audio drama she um, is I think the business manager for Wooden Overcoats okay yeah Um, and she's utterly mad and amazing (laughs) they're the best kind of people yeah so we we kind of we hung out a bit there and then yeah she introduced me to Wooden Overcoats um, and that kind of started our foray into actually knowing people other people doing the british um audio drama yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's crazy because yeah, i found that with with me podcasting i've i launched mine uh september 2017 so i our podcasts are similar in age in that in that mm. respect so a lot of people in the game have been on it for ages and other people obviously a lot more new in it and I've, i was surprised of the community aspect of it of how mm. I hadn't even heard about it, you know, because before one gets into podcasting, uh, like having your own show, there are a lot of Facebook groups, you know, podcasts we listen to, uh, Podcast UK Network, Pod, Pod and Family, those sorts of things. Yeah. And there are quite a few people in there who don't have podcasts, who are just so into podcasts, they mm. like being in those groups. But I, when I liked podcasting without actually being a podcaster, I was like, I like these five or six and I didn't kind of venture that much yeah. into uh, the other realms. But as soon as I started podcasting, you know, I met Headley and uh, we seemed to get on quite well when we first met. And then all the other people I met, um, Susie, shout out to Susie from the Casual Bird podcast. She's yeah. always organizing <laughs> loads of meetups. I think, did you go to one uh, like yesterday, Headley? Yeah, we both went to one a couple of days ago. Oh, no, you no I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't. I was at work. <laughs> once, once again, Headley goes to have the fun of the socialising, and Beth is uh, working away, saving away. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really fun. Saw Susie there. It was really nice. Yeah. met a load of new people. Yeah, it looks like I, I missed a really nice night. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's obviously that's when me and Headley met and things. But I did find that the, the amount of people that you meet um, who are so cool and really want to either collaborate or help out mm. or just really nice. And in the podcasting, there are a few. I haven't come into contact directly with anyone who's like this specifically, but there is a bit of competition. Yeah, but most of it seems to be collaborative as yeah. opposed to trying to beat each other. I mean, there are a couple of people in the Facebook groups who moan about not getting certain numbers or complain yeah. about the way certain people do things and it's just like i don't can't even be bothered about the politics of podcasting yeah i mean that that's the thing is audio drama podcast groups are very different from podcasting as a whole i think mm. like um they're also very different from theater yeah because uh, obviously i've done theater and stuff there's there's a lot of competition in theater whereas podcasting because it's not competing for ticket prices it's not competing for the front roll yeah these sort of things basically i mean the best way to find um friends in audio drama is to sort of not find friends everyone in audio drama is always looking for friends yeah <laughs> um like we 
we, I think our success uh, quite early on was because we spent a lot of time on Twitter just chatting with people mm. and like promoting other people, talking about how much we liked other people. Yeah. Um, for example, Girl in Space, mm-hmm. we um, did a lot of back and forth with her because she's really lovely. She's really nice. Yeah. Um, so kind of, there's a lot of cross promotion when it comes to just talking to people mm. um, or yeah, just replying to people talking about things that you have in common yeah 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 and people like that people like the personality behind the podcast as mm. well it's it's one of those things where it's quite nice especially with you guys going to these sort of um podcast conventions and, and that sort of thing and you're not like I, I don't know how many people would be like this but not like oh well, my podcast has got this many downloads yours has only got this much so we're not even going to talk to you because there are yeah, people who are like weird. that there are bands who are like that there's yeah. i've got a few mates who are in bands and uh, playing shows and stuff and they say there's a headline bands that are way too big for their boots they won't let people use their drum kit they won't let them borrow amps they won't yeah. even talk to them after the show and it's just like you're not helping anyone you're just kind of yeah. ruining your own reputation reputation yeah things. i mean that that's actually that's a thing in audio drama is if you act like that there will be people who have taken notice of you doing yeah, that. Yeah, like a subtle and, and like, blacklist. Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's not a full blacklist. And mm. people, there's always ta- chances to redeem yourself, yeah. chances to kind of learn, mm-hmm. um, like like learn how, learn how to use Twitter properly rather than doing things that annoy people. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, they kind of, there's always people going, oh, these people do that. We're not fans of this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Or, or like, I don't know, people making jokes that are homophobic or off color or whatever and then people not that this is a thing that i've actually encountered but kind of people being inappropriate mm, yeah um, in the wrong times and then once someone voices their opinion on it not reacting in the the proper way instead of saying oh really sorry about that we'll watch out for it we'll try and avoid it in the future instead mm. doubling down and being like, no you're wrong for me there is yeah. there are people who can be like that because i think me and Headley touched upon that in our last chat as well of just yeah. there is a time and like humor is a good point of just I believe that no humour should be censored, but there it has to be within reason. Yeah. It, which sounds like a contradictory statement. And but you should it's be like, punching up. Yeah. You should always punch up. You yeah. shouldn't be punching down. Punching yeah. down is what you do when you want to destroy a subset of humanity. Yeah, and it's it's all about sort of not only intent, it's obviously how funny it is part mm. of it, intent. And if, for example, you know, Jimmy Carr has one joke about rape, obviously I don't condone of mm. rape, but if he has one joke that's funny about that sort of subject, he is the kind of comedian that really... Um, he pushes the boundaries. He's an offensive comedian, like Frankie Boyle is, these sorts of ones. So one has to expect that sort of thing from him, but with there has to be the right amount of it. If mm. he did a whole hour and a half show... And all he was talking about was raping. It was yeah. like that isn't funny. That isn't clever. That's yeah. just way too much. And obviously, yeah, we we went to a I went to a comedy gig with a friend who, I think she was she was training in something to do with child protection, mm-hmm. and someone came on and just told a load of basically they'd been on Reddit mm. and looked up offensive child abuse jokes, right? And right. then they like listed off about five or six, and we were just sat there with our arms arms crossed just looking him dead in the eye and he got quieter and quieter mm. because just kind of you've got to pay attention to people's reactions to you and yeah. there's, there's read the room yeah but i mean i'm also i have a very specific sense of humor and it's not that <laughs> yeah yeah that's understandable and, and there are there is time and the place for certain things and one thing as well with you know is that nine eleven jokes things like that like i don't personally find most of them very funny but making a joke about that now on 
a joke website is very, very different from on Facebook the day after it happens mm. because there's also on people on Facebook aren't trying to find these jokes. Yeah. And if you listen to, if you're just listening to like a normal podcast um, that's not specifically comedy or anything, and then someone starts spouting off loads of really racist uh, mm. jokes, that isn't the same as if you're already a po- comedy podcast who markets themselves as offensive humor. Mm. Everyone's going to be targeted, including this set of groups. Yeah. It is it's about intent well, you, as well. Have you read any of Frankie Boyle's longer form writing? I haven't. No. Oh, he's he's done quite a few columns. He's he's I prefer them to his stand up. Actually, mm. he does a lot of very because like there's a human being behind that. And yeah. He is also quite he's quite a complex person. I think has I think if I recall correctly. Uh, don't necessarily quote me on this. I think he struggled with depression and various other yeah. things. I mean, most most comics have. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, kind of. He's written some really interesting stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm what a phrase that I think I saw on Tumblr, probably, <laughs> or Twitter, or something, is the devil has enough advocates, uh, which is one of my favourite phrases at the moment to use. That's a very good phrase. When people start saying, "Oh, well, just being a devil da- devil's advocate," it's like, well. Why? Why are you doing that? No one needs you to. Yeah. Are you here to create a debate in a room full of people who actually all agree yeah. on something? And it's kind of, I feel like it's often, being a devil's advocate is often used as an excuse to say something that you know is going to get you shouted down. Mm, it's, it's almost like a, a trying to be more intellectual way of saying no offense before saying something. Mm. Just like, no offense, but something is very offensive. Yeah. So it, it, it can be used. Yeah. I mean, I agree there are a lot of people who would use that. And there's also a lot of people who then also use jokes to mask true like actual intent. I mean, the idea is there's no smoke without fire, I believe, with to a degree. You know, if someone slips, or not slips, but if someone says one, I, I'm one of those people, I don't find racist jokes funny. But if someone said one, in certain subject times, I'd be like, I just let it slide and not say anything. But then there's other times where it's just not appropriate in uh, any I, way, shape, I or used form. to work in a department where one of the people there was, I, she had the attitude, like the attitude towards people of color hmm. uh, of someone who was about 40 years older than she was. Oh, I see. Um, and she used a lot of, she wasn't even, for example, she was a dog trainer sometimes. Had a had a car covered in giant stickers of dogs, and then was wondering why she couldn't sell it, mm. and why someone was like, "She was like, but the stickers are lovely. I don't understand why they take two grand off the value of the car." <laughs> uh, wasn't very bright, mm. um, but she also she used phrases like, "Oh well, I'm I'm running a course at the weekend training blacks and their dangerous dogs." Oh, okay, and it's like, yeah, no, no, that is not okay. And mm. you're working in a public service department where most of the people you're working with are people of colour. Mm. And I was at a stage where I wasn't old enough or secure in myself enough to say, oh, I can challenge this. I can say what you're saying is wrong. Shut up. Yeah. I can go to HR, etc. Because I was just a temp. I couldn't. Mm. And I had a few things like where I, I was learning to drive at the time and I would get picked up by my driving instructor and he would make me sit and breathe for 15 minutes because I was I had all this like pent up stress and anger from dealing with that mm. and seeing it all day and not knowing that it was okay for me to say anything about it yeah yeah that's very and, interesting yeah. and now now I would be straight on there mm. I'd be but obviously at the time I was what like 
18, mm. didn't really understand that you can just stand up to someone and say that. So. Yeah, well, obviously you being a temp and when you start a new job, there's also a thing, you know, you don't want to, in a sense, rock the boat too much, mm. um, which, which is obviously an understandable fear yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, she'd been there for like 25 years or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand that. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite an outspoken individual in general anyway. Um, but yeah, I can hear Megan laughing in the background there because she knows it. Um, but I had an argument with someone at work about um, she was basically – she was a woman, she was like 60 something, you mm. know. Um, and she said she was complaining that someone did a complaint about her because she was in a business meeting with, yeah, we, I work in insurance mm. and um, I'm a broker. And she was in a business meeting with some client or something. And then she offhand mentioned, I think it was like there was something to do with her French policy or something. And mm. she mentioned something about that the, they wouldn't do it. And then she said, well, the French should really. Something like they want to help us due to all that, due to us saving them in the war or something like that. Oh, yes. You personally were fighting in that yeah, war. Yeah, exactly. Like literally the 1940s, the people, yeah. most of the people in there are actually dead now. And can I, can I tell you thing. what I initially thought what? then when you said that? I thought you were talking about the Hundred Years War. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> my brain just went, oh, yeah, yeah. When there was the Hundred Years War and there wasn't. A bit with Napoleon and Waterloo, yeah. and I don't know history very well. No, I'm I know bits um, and pieces. I, I knew Napoleon was involved in the Hundred Year War, and that's more or less. I it. didn't. I was just guessing that. <laughs> oh, oh, I hope I'm right. I am as well. Otherwise, my my knowledge of both history and geography is very very bad. Ah. Um. I I've tried repeatedly. I mean, my knowledge of science has gotten slightly better. Hmm. Um. And I'm I'm trying to get kind of more into the practical side of things. What you can't see. Um, obviously you can see it, but what any listeners can't see is that we've got a couple of uh, robot kits open mm. on the floor at the moment. Hydraulic robot arm. Yeah. So the robot arm is Headley's, and then I've bought a set of solar hydraulics, which is it's meant for, for kids. It's like 12 plus, but I You are really technically 12 to... plus. Yeah, I am. I am 12 <laughs> plus. I'm uh, more than three. No, more than twice that. I don't know. <laughs> also, maths is bad. Okay. Um, so script writing is definitely your... <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the thing about sci-fi is that kind of I, I always want to learn. Hmm. And there's, do you know Robin Ince? Uh, I know the name. What's he? Uh, he's Robin? a comedian. Uh, oh, okay. He does the Infinite Monkey Cage. Oh, I've heard about him. I haven't mm. uh, personally. Um, so I, I made some puppets for them uh, a few years ago for their theme song. Okay. Uh, which also had Eric Idle in, which is very oh, fun. I love I've, Monty Python. I've technically worked with a Python. Um, really? Well, because of that. I yeah, think, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so that's that's pretty fun. But um, yeah, so he is always talking about kind of being uneducated, but always keen to be to learn more mm. as, as in like not having a degree in science but being fascinated by it and kind of wanting to know more wanting to know about more sort of the limits of humanity all the different things we can do mm. building things um learning things just and that's kind of that's an attitude that i've adopted more mm. um is wanting to know how things work i mean obviously i've I laser cut things as well, which is kind of one of the many extra things that I do. Um, and I've really gotten into constructing different things that work together um, from that. And yeah, history and geography, I'm still working on. <laughs> I'm not great with geography. Uh, history, I have random pockets of knowledge. I, I did history as a GCSE, yeah. but I didn't do that well at it. I just kind of have, if you said to me, tell me everything you know about World War Two, it'd be like, oh God, I don't know. But if you then, we had a conversation about Hitler and the Night of the Long Knives, mm. uh, that's a part in the the build up to World War Two that yeah. you know, is that sort of thing. But I, I, I really wish I'd done history. I had a great history teacher called Mrs. Grundy who was mad. <laughs> um, she was, I think, just a Marxist through oh, okay. and through. Yeah. And very much 
not keen on the monarchy mm. that kind of thing as as far as i can remember obviously this is quite a long time ago yeah and instead of doing history which i should definitely have done mm. i would have enjoyed it a lot i did it which was appalling ah. uh, i it was the first half of it was taught by a teacher who spent the first half of every lesson uh explaining how to turn a computer on and log in because right. i think he forgot all the time so he assumed that all of us who had computers at home uh, forgot all <laughs> Just coming to IT and just forget how to do it, just sit there and yeah. stare. Well, it's, kind of, it's one of those things where you do all your coursework in about 20 minutes and then you sit there playing games. Yeah, we used to do that in school yeah. as well. Yeah, because I did, I did business. Um, I didn't do IT as GCSE, but I did do business studies and that's they're still doing work on the computer most of it and we'd get it done yeah just last half hour of the lesson just on congregate or mini clip or whatever it was yeah yeah i totally get that but um back to what you're saying with the um the knowledge thing is you have a mindset that i admire and also i feel like i have as well because when i was in school i liked science but school kind of ground the interest out of me mm. um same with geography and history to a degree but i've always been interested in museums and mm. uh, especially in england we've got such a rich history and so many oh, awesome yeah. castles yeah. and things so i've always had the the thirst for knowledge but not always with the science know-how or knowledge know how to back it up mm. but i find one thing i don't like with people is when people call other people stupid mm. because I do call people stupid, so it's partially hypocritical, but in a different way. I don't judge people on their intellectual capabilities or know-how. It's their desire for it. Because mm. I, I know some people who've got cognitive ability to be smart, but they're so uh, sort of distanced from it. They really are apathetic to learning. They just don't care. You know, They don't want to learn anything new. They don't want to change their mind. They just know what they know, and that's it. And I find that is being more of an idiot than it is if you don't get great grades in school and you're not you don't know how the universe was created or you don't know you know when the world wars were date wise but if you want to and you're open to those ideas mm. that to me is true intelligence because they're the kind of people who really get things done you know you don't get geniuses who are bored you get people who are driven regardless of their in air quotes intellect because obviously yeah. if you know and also, to teach also yourself, a lot of it's to do with background because one of my best friends growing up was basically he grew up in a house where they didn't really read books. Hmm. Um, so he kind of, he didn't read books, wasn't keen on it. Incredibly, incredibly bright guy. I think he's doing some kind of accounting job. I don't know what he's doing now. Hmm. Uh, I haven't seen him in quite a long time. Ah, yeah. But he's doing pretty well for himself, I think. But it's just one of those things where I think in a different environment, he'd have been a completely different person. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's one of the things, one of the reasons I'm so into uh, museums and learning is my dad. Like, mm. I remember we go for, uh, every weekend we go out for a drive somewhere and it would be me, mum and dad. And mum was fine with going to those places, but she's more of a, a good example is on holidays, for example, we'd go to Spain. And dad would go sit under some shade with his guitar, play a bit of music, and then he'd want to go out and explore mm. the culture. Mum would mum would like to sit by the pool, get a tan, listen to music, read a book, yeah. which is fair enough. But yeah, I was always much more of a, I had my dad's sort of uh, sensibilities, just I love museums and all those things. And a lot of my friends now do really enjoy those things because especially with the internet and podcasting and all these other things, they've found, they go, oh. I'm actually being taught science and history by someone who isn't a teacher. That's actually yeah. really interesting, like Neil deGrasse Tyson's talks or Netflix documentaries and yeah. stuff. So there's actually there's an that. amazing podcast that I've been listening to a lot recently uh, by a friend of ours called TH Ponders yeah. called Accession, which is about each episode is about one specific piece of art. Okay. So like there's there's one we listened to recently about Nighthawks. Okay. It's fantastic. Yeah. And we were actually on we were on one of the episodes. Oh, nice. Uh, play we're doing a scene from Hamlet, which is really nice. Oh, awesome. But just listening to you just you think about it from a completely different point of view and kind of 
the episode on Nighthawks, I was crying during it just because it was it was really good but very touching at the same time and mm. kind of making you think about art in a way that isn't just visuals. Mm. Because I mean, we were watching it. We were or not watching. We were listening to it uh, in bed with the lights off, mm. um, just kind of after a long day. But when your brain brain is a bit too frazzled to sleep, yeah, yeah, and kind of picturing things <laughs> and having that as a very like vivid side of things like a history yeah. lesson mm, yeah it tells you all about the context of when it was when it was painted and mm. what things were going on and what yeah. had been going on in the artist's life yeah that's very interesting i mean that's one of the things with a lot of the music i listen to uh, is alternative and some yeah. of that can be stuff that's quite heavy as well in some places i understand that isn't for everyone but a lot of the time i find that say i get into a band and then i quite like them and then um i get into them even more by finding out information and detail around it mm. uh, one band just as an offhand example is they're called defeater mm-hmm. so like being defeated but defeater and all their albums are just a part of one story which is about world war one I, I think it was yeah so the first album is called letters home or one of the first albums and it's about the dad going to war and him sending letters home to his family and each song is a letter to his family yeah and it talks about historical things and then another album is the mother's point of view dealing with it another one's the youngest son watching his mother go through a heroin addiction while his pet dad's up for war and it's like they're not necessarily they're obviously not uh, emotional in the same way that they were involved in the war but just that level of art if you didn't look a little bit deeper into the detail it just sounds like a cool heavy sounding album mm. but you go into it and a lot of the songs make a lot of sense uh, one of the songs is like seven minutes long but the, it, it sounds like it cuts halfway through the song and just stops and what it actually is, is in that song's context is like the characters walking down some train tracks and gets hit by a train yeah but if you just hear the song, it just sounds like it cuts off, but there's all these intricate details. And I find, yeah. be it music, be it film, be it some podcasting, it's a lot of it is about interpretation, obviously, mm. but a lot of context and a lot of stuff that can help one understand things is finding sort of sympathy, putting yourself in the shoes of the person who wrote it. And mm. a lot of art, especially some of the uh, historical context, um, there's a song by a woman called Leslie Gore um, from, I think it's the 60s, and it's um, You Don't Own Me. There's mm. been a lot of, there's a couple of artists that have oh, released yeah, versions of that. You Don't did. Own Me. Yeah, yeah, I love mm. that song. Yeah, well, her original, I love it because it was in a time where women weren't as empowered as they are today. Mm. And just a woman coming out and releasing a song and it becoming so huge of her saying, I'm my own person. Mm. It's so powerful. Like, the song's great, but that gives a lot more meaning to the song and it makes yeah. you really appreciate it more. So I, I totally am with you there. What sort of piece of art was it? Was it like painted art that you... Yeah, was... uh, paintings yeah. in museums. I mean, the, the Hamlet one is a marble sculpture. Mm. Uh, is it sculpture when it's marble? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Hamlet one was that, but it, it's pieces of art in museums mostly. Mm. Um, and it's kind of... There's often a walk through the museum in it and things like that. It was just... It's just really lovely. Nighthawks is the painting of a, a diner uh, in the night, and there's just like three people in it. Quite a famous image. Yeah, I, I probably would have seen that after. Uh, I didn't know it was called Nighthawks. Uh, I see. By Edward Hopper. Yeah, um, I do. I did recognise the name. Um, I'm sure. Are you looking about to look it up, Megan? Cool. I've got, got my own little producer here who can look up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you can't wave on a podcast. No one can see you. <laughs> um, I'm going to loop on back around then to um, let's get back to We Fix Space Junk for a bit then. Um, so obviously, you released um, you released the first season uh, last year, and then the second season finished uh, before Christmas, wasn't it? Just it was, before Christmas, yeah. And then you released the Bruce Miss Christmas special. Yes. And then you've also had you've had the podcast was it the podcast day special with the driving lessons one yes driving lessons which and is also hilarious. harrelson's first 
Bruce Smith. Yes, and Harrison's, Harrison is my favourite character. I love Harrison. I, it's just, yeah. I just find any character who yells most of the time hilarious. Mm. I don't know what it is. I know in Monty Python, go, to go back to that, a lot of their sketches was just normal things and then it gets more and more crazy. And as it does, they just get louder mm. and louder and they're like shouting out just the most ridiculous things. And yeah. oh, I, I love that kind of humour. Yeah, so. Harrelson turned out out of nowhere while I was writing. Yeah. Yeah, he was not planned. Mm. Um, basically, I said... Unplanned baby. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... Basically, when I was writing Marilyn's diary, mm. um, it was originally just going to be monologues. Yeah. It was just going to be Marilyn on her own. Um, and then I was like, oh, I could get James Carney to be the AI for Jolt's ship. Cool, he can turn up in series two at some point. And then I started thinking about it more and was like, actually, he'd be there while Marilyn's there. Uh, and then I got excited and started just improvising stuff because hmm. I I wrote Marilyn's diary without a clear idea of where I was going. I had a very rough idea and actually wasn't the original plan at all hmm. by the end. Um, but just by writing the dialogue, I kind of went a lot more heavily into the idea of artificial intelligence, hmm. um, how how AIs reproduce, uh, which was kind of fun. Um, so did that with that AI reproduction thing was that. Is that from other sci-fi things that you've looked at? Is that actually real? Or is that just... That's just, just how I think it would work. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, yeah. um, from what I can... from Obviously, you've, you've, uh, you're a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. And there's a lot of yes. other sci-fi things I'm sure you're a big fan of to influence you on. We fix space junk. So it is something that I hadn't even considered, really, about... Obviously, in a lot of shows, you do get AI and you get mm. other AI. Like, a good eye... One of the probably most famous ones maybe arguing or not AI, but it's like C-3PO and R2-D2 mm. and Star Wars, you know, mainly C-3PO is like this thing. And for, for the older Star Wars films, they don't really go into it. But mm. with with the new Star Wars films and more so in uh, some of the comics and the books, they do, they've do they gone more into AI. And there's there's a C-3PO comic about him questioning the value of of AI and some mm. of his robot companions sacrificing themselves to, oh, for him to the live red on. Arm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The red arm story, yeah. And it's all this, and it's really deep. And it's just like this, there's a, because of AI is obviously in the sort of the social sphere of talking points at the moment, it's, it's very interesting for how works come across it. And as I said, I've never considered it, but the way yourselves have done it in uh, We Fix Space Junk is, it makes a lot of sense. And it's a really, yeah. really brilliant way of doing it, actually. And it's good to have sort of Haroldson and Harold's computer, is that his? Yeah, Harold's computer and Harold's. Is that Harold computer? It's not his name. No, because he always not... says it's not yeah. his name, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so the in-joke. But those two of being similar enough while still being their own person and mm. explaining it in that way is really it's brilliant, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. So what are your favourite characters in, in We Fix Space Junk? I don't know. Like, I love Headley them as well. I, I really... I like them all for different reasons. Mm. I mean, I think the funniest setup is probably Haroldson and Marilyn yeah. and Harold Computer. I think those are like, they're all just very dear to me though. Like Kilner and Samantha are kind of just, they've grown so much since I started writing it. Mm. Um, and in fact, since the, my first conception of the, the, the idea of it, where Kilner was a main character, Samantha turned up for like two episodes and was annoying. Mm. Um, this is like in about 2010. Oh, so. wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A long time ago. Um, but yeah, kind of the fact that she's developed from someone who's there to be annoying and then probably die mm. to a character who is pretty beloved, is mm. is learning and growing and becoming something entirely new. Especially in like the one 
is either one of the most recent episodes or it's the Brucemas one. I can't remember which one it was, where she has to do something for herself. I'm not gonna I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't fully got caught up, but um she has to yeah, do something for herself essentially. Was yeah. that I can't remember if that was the Bruce Mas one. Two. That was in the season yeah. two, yeah. And it was quite nice seeing that idea of it with mm. her sort of growing as a character, especially compared to season one. Because I listened, uh, I mentioned the one with Headley. I listened up to like halfway through series two. And then I started again because I got Megan into it. And so we just watched it from the start. Or yeah. listened to it rather, can't watch it. Um, from the start. And then it made me realize a lot of the characters and how they do change. And there's there are certain little details of the world that I'd kind of forgotten about and hadn't picked up on. So... It's a rich world in that sense mm. as well. What about you, Headley? If, uh, do you have a favourite at all? Or? I don't know. Marilyn is definitely up there. Yeah. She's just hilarious. And we also miss cute. Fran a lot. Yeah, yeah. She we she recorded that on her last day in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's back in America now. Yeah, yeah. In the land of Book of Mormon, Salt Lake City. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, she's. Uh, I think she's I think she's in a show called My Utah, My Big Fat Utah Wedding. Oh yeah, she's got something at the moment, which is fun. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> she's she's an amazing like musical. Uh, she's an amazing singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an amazing singer, amazing dancer, just w- generally amazing. Was she the one who was involved with the musical you guys People's did? Rock, yes, yes, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, Headley touched upon or touched. We spoke about that quite extensively yeah. on the last one, and that's where you guys met her, wasn't it? Initially, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was open auditions for the the musical. Yeah, and she, and she was. Fantastic. She blew everyone else out of the water. <laughs> yeah. I think. I don't I actually I hate auditioning. Mm. Um I find it very stressful. I don't like turning people down. Yeah. Um so I was not involved in auditioning, but I heard that she was amazing, basically. Yeah. Well linking into sort of auditioning then, I'd like, I'd be interested in um with your with voice acting, because obviously you're the scriptwriter of this and obviously Headley's the sound engineer and together you make the team that creates We Fix Space Junk, but you're both obviously in the show itself. Obviously yeah. Headley is Joel and yourself as Kilner. What um did you yourselves have you been in other voice acting things before? Have you always wanted to be in voice acting? Was this just because it's easier for the two of you to know where it's going? Like what's the sort of Um I idea? I trained in acting mm. uh UEA and I I like the sound of my own voice. <laughs> that that makes sense. Just kind of like I like the way my voice sounds mm. and other people do as well, which is nice. Yeah. And I did a couple of voiceovery mini job things. And yeah, I get very, very useful to have your main character live in the house. Yes. I was gonna say it so must when be when you need to re- retake and rewrite. Yeah. I can just minute. tweak things. <laughs> yeah. But um also I um We did um voiceover Oh yeah, I, voiceover. I did voiceover for my old old job. I did a bit of that. And oh yes, yeah, no, I get I get stage fright. That right. was what I was going to say. Is that I I get stage fright on actual on stage. So you don't you don't like the visual side of it, but you like the audio side. So mm. where better yeah. voice act, of course. Yeah, I panic uh, and forget lines. Mm. Uh, but obviously, with audio drama, you can have a script in front of you. That's how we usually record. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and it's also a thing of if you're recording. In a, obviously, with normal, if it was like acting with the argument between like film and audio drama, for example, audio drama, I, from what I can recall from you, with you guys, would probably be you know uh, Headley in the you guys in the booth, Headley producing it, and there's like what four or five of you maybe around, if that. Oh no, less than that. So it's even it's usually just, two. It's so it's usually... just the two people having a conversation, yeah. and yeah. So with that compared to like a film, which is obviously not on a stage there's the whole audience and all the crew and everything mm. or the film it's not as much of an audience but there's still way more crew for mm. everything else whereas audio drama even if you 
mess up quite a bit as it's your show it's like i'm having a bad day the yeah. i'm with the producer so we're not if he yeah. is getting frustrated it's not like a an actor being unruly and being like a pain or anything yeah it's interesting because i i did film a bit when i was a kid mm. um i was in the harry potter film it's an extra yeah yeah Headley uh, mentioned that and you know someone fun. else who's did someone else have one line or something in it that you were friends with oh uh someone who's in it but Oh, that was it. Sorry, yeah, oh. they're, but they're in the they're in the Warner Brothers studio tour, aren't they? The Wonders in the, the tour. Ah, who? Oh man, <laughs> there we go. She's, she's she's a named character who has lines who's Wonders in the Harry Potter experience, but was cut cut from it. In the book. There you go. Well, well, I, new. Beth told me this. And now <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> it's going to be fabrication now. Yeah. Um, maybe I was talking to your sister about it. Yeah, I think it might be one of my sisters. Maybe. Yeah. Um, they look the same. <laughs> We don't look for context. Uh, <laughs> one of my sisters is blonde, and the other one is ginger, and I have quite dark hair. Right, and we are all... twins. Though. Yeah, they don't look even related. I mean, they're twins with each other, not with them. Yeah, yeah, they're not my yeah. twins. They are younger than me. Oh, I um, see. But yeah, we were all in the films on and off, which is pretty fun. Yeah, that sounds uh, really cool. Yeah, yeah. We can see she's wearing uh, Megan's wearing Deathly Hallows <laughs> earrings at the moment. Yeah. So, um, well, with with voice acting and things, would you guys, let's say, ten years, you you could somehow get your life to go exactly the route it would go on. Maybe if we think Space Junk becomes the biggest audio drama ever and that's just your main job or... You mean or, when, not yet. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully when. Yeah, then I can be friends with the, the cool kids at the top of the chain. Yeah. But it, it would be... What's the sort of... Not only the ideal goal for We Fix Space Junk and in general you're kind of progressing in life, but would you also want to venture into other things with voice acting or anything else? It's yeah, quite a big I, question, mean, I, so. I really like voice acting. And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. Part two will be released next week, as my regular schedule was just a weekly thing. Um, in part two, the chat starts with Beth talking about the future of We Fix Space Junk, potentially delving into sort of other mediums and things. Uh, Beth also talks about the other podcast she's actually currently working on, so it's going to be interesting if any of you are fans of We Fix Space Junk to hear about what other projects may be sort of on the horizon. Um, we also talk about loads of other things, you know, uh, the importance of not undervaluing your impact on other people, um, as well as like future merchandising for We Fix Space junk like a board game is mentioned um as well as you know the law and the universe we fix space junk and loads of other things so if you enjoyed part one you're certain to enjoy part two also Obviously, at the start of the show, I did mention that there's another chat of with the We Fix Space Junk team. Um, I spoke with Headley Knights. Um, I believe that was episode 40, so be sure to go check that out as well if you enjoyed this chat. So you've got a nice two sides of the coin of the both geniuses who created this amazing show. And that's about it from the We Fix Space Junk sort of side of things, as except for they've essentially released a novella, um, a short novel. Um, and I've included a link to that. You can get it on Amazon and any of the usual places you buy books or ebooks, that sort of thing. So check that out if you want to get an expanded view on on the We Fix Space Junk universe. Yeah. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, um, I'm not fully sure. I'm get, I've am i got a podcast recording at Monday. I've got another one, I think, like Tuesday or something. I'm guesting on someone else's podcast as well. I've already got a two-part one recorded with Rochelle Lawson, the life coach, and she's fantastic, and the chat I had with her was brilliant as well. That'll be another two-parter. Um, and also, if you haven't checked it out, I really implore everyone to go check out sort of last week's episode. I mean, last week was part two of it, so probably like the part one of that. But um, I spoke with a gentleman called Alton Wheelhouse or Alton Wheelhouse my accent um, 
and he basically created a new tabletop RPG game called Dimensions. Um, there's a link to that in the description of the Kickstarter they've got. If you click on the Kickstarter link and donate, or rather fund it, because you do get things back, it's not just a donation, you get the game or stickers, anything, depending on what the level of uh, you want to fund by. If you click on the link in the description, it gives the genuine chit-chat a small percentage of that. Uh, no pressure if you want to use that. If for whatever reason you don't really fancy using the affiliate link, then you can just Google uh, Dimensions Game Kickstarter or go on the facebook page dimensions game and you you should be able to find it quite easily and um, be yeah, i really implore anyone who's a fan of like dungeons and dragons or anything like that to just listen i mean even if you're not the biggest fan of dungeons and dragons and you just are kind of for lack of a better word nerdy like i would describe myself as it's a really good chat of just hearing someone who's really really passionate about something who really has an a essentially a product an idea that could change the game so i think it's really interesting for people to go check that out if you're into obviously people listening to this i would imagine are into sci-fi and fantasy to some degree um and i think in this chat me and beth actually spoke about dungeons and dragons as well so it's a nice little connectivity and things there it wasn't planned this way it just seemed to have fluked this way but yeah go and check out that chat if you haven't already that's just about it for me guys off the top of my head what i can think of um so i'm more or less going to leave it there you know as i always say uh, check through the back catalogue uh, because relatively speaking every guest is different there's a wide variety of topics that are spoken about with a huge variety of guests of different nationalities and obviously genders or i say a wide variety of genders currently there's only been the two but um y- you know there's quite a lot of different guests that i have on the show you know if you enjoyed this chat and you don't think i'm a terrible host then check out the back catalogue see if there's anything else you like or see if there's anything else anyone else likes you know my podcast might be a good way to get people who you want to get into podcasting into podcasting just by like sending them an episode or two just to kind of see how they feel about it but that's going to be it for me guys so um you know rate on itunes if you feel like it deserves it share on social media and things spreading this via word of mouth and social media means a huge amount to me so i really appreciate that and yeah that's it guys so thanks as always for listening i appreciate each and every one of you listening especially all the way up to the end and i'll talk to all of you next week hello traveler my name is alton and i'm the lead architect and game designer for dimensions the d6 rpg I'm so excited to let you know that our Kickstarter has finally gone live and that you can not only support us, but also this show by checking us out in the link provided here in the description. I am so excited to see what you're able to do with our system, designed to help new players learn how to play and experienced players learn how to teach and enroll new players into the games that we love. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey, for supporting us and this program, and make sure to check us out at dimensions.games if you're looking for more information. With that being said, I look forward to joining you in Worlds Without End. Thank you.